Scrum, a podcast where we whip up at WGBH News focused on politics and political media from Beacon Hill to the Beltway. We're coming to you this week from the courtyard of the Boston Public Library. Hey, hey, hey Adam, we're in the courtyard. We can, you don't have to whisper. You, you think I'm all yeah, right? I think going, you're okay. Going full voice. All right, thank you very much. Peter Kadza, senior editor at WGBH News, who's here to talk with me about the politics of the BPL. We're also joined today by a bunch of little kids who you can hear in the background, and by Joan Vanaki, the ace editorial page columnist at the Boston Globe. Joan, thanks for being here. It's really nice to be invited. So, obviously, there has been a ton of drama in the last few weeks at the Boston Public Library, which you two know all about, which many of our listeners know all about, but I want to just recap it and tell me what I'm missing here. Precious works of art go missing. Boston Mayor Marty Walsh publicly calls out Library Director Amy Ryan. Daniel Coe, Mayor Walsh's fresh-faced Chief of Staff, gives the Library Board of Trustees a stern dressing down. Amy Ryan resigns. Uh, Board Chairman Jeffrey Rudman resigns. The precious works of art are found. What am I missing? Is that is that the, the big stuff? Hi, how are you Hi. today? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, can I ask what's going on? Yeah, we're from WGBH News, and we're doing a podcast about the politics of the DPL, okay. taking stock of everything that's happened in the last couple weeks. Okay, um, we don't allow any filming or recording on the premises. No recording on the premises. The okay, well, you really? Really? Have you been in touch with our communications department? No, no, no. Because it's it says free and open to all. It does, yes. I think it's a little so, controversial that you're speaking about the library on the library. What better? You think that's controversial, really? I think it's bold that you came in here. Bold? Are you recording? Well, yeah. Okay, so some of that was a little difficult to hear, but the gist, as you've probably gathered, is that while we were sitting in the Boston Public Library courtyard talking about dysfunction at the library, we were kicked out of the library. So Peter Kadzis, Joan Vanaki, Amanda McGowan, and I strolled awkwardly, sort of shamefacedly, through the building out to the front where we picked it up again. All right, this is Adam Riley again, and we're now coming to you from outside the Boston Public Library because as you heard a few moments ago, we were um, told that they did not want us recording our discussion in the courtyard of the library. Uh, Joan Vanaki and Peter Kadzis, what was your reaction when that very nice young uh, library representative came down and told us basically to scram? I think my reaction was, what part of public don't they understand? It is the Boston Public Library. Um, so, and I guess my second is, the drama continues. <laughs> I had two reactions. Uh, I'll, I'll dust off that uh, hoary old, I'm a taxpayer in the city of Boston. I grew up here. I spent a big part of my life here at the library. It says, free and open to all. That ticked me off. Two. We understand why Amy Ryan is no longer head of the library. Um, she runs a, a somewhat tightly knit, paranoid shop inside, and we just saw it in action. You think that, that what just happened to us is representative of her broader management style, Peter Kett? Uh Yes, it is, because I've seen emails that she sent to um, outside friends of the library asking them you know, to clear any appearances you know, coordinate is the word with the, the library's um, uh, public affairs office. Um, listen, there are people inside the library who were, um, you know, real 
really dedicated in, in, in you know, in her corner. Um, I would say there are more people, however, who uh, have real questions about her style. Okay, in a way, you've stolen the thunder from what I had planned would be my first question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, there are people, as all the drama that we talked about earlier inside that beautiful library courtyard with the soothing water flowing in the background, um, there are people who believe that Amy Ryan, whatever her weaknesses as a manager, got a raw deal. Um, one of them, Yvonne Abraham, your colleague at the Globe, Joan, and Peter, your former colleague at the Boston Phoenix, um, wrote a piece basically saying that Mayor Walsh had treated Amy Ryan unfairly. And I'd love to get you two to weigh in on the question of whether, whatever her deficiencies may be, whether Amy Ryan got a bum deal from City Hall. Bum deal, bum rap, well, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. Joan, what do you think? Um, well, first I'll say that every columnist has the right to their opinion, so Yvonne is, certainly has the right to the, her view of the whole thing. I don't think that Amy Ryan got a bum deal. I mean, this played out in an awkward way and sort of an unfriendly way, and maybe there was a smoother way to handle it. But my feeling is that Amy Ryan and the Board of Trustees kind of wrote their own ending um, by, not, by not realizing that, for better or worse, that there's a new mayor in town, there's a new sheriff in town, and he had a report, an audit, whatever you want to call it, that laid out some management issues. That coupled with the, all of a sudden, the disappearing and then found art, they didn't really respond with the urgency that the mayor expected, and therefore uh, she resigned. And um, she, nobody forced her to resign, from what I'm told. She did it, so I don't think it was a bum deal. I think she got a rough deal um, in but that doesn't mean it was a bum deal. It's a rough deal because Amy was um, very close to the Menino administration. She was more or less their agent, some might say puppet. I think that's going too far. I would say she was their agent, as was Jeff Rudman, the chairman of the Board of Trustees. And neither of them really understanding how Boston politics really looks got too close to the mayor's office and not they got so close that when things changed hands they got burnt because they didn't know how to read the tea leaves. And let me ask you a question about the the suggestion that Amy Ryan and Jeffrey Rubin got too close to the Menino administration. My sense was that you kind of when Tom Menino was mayor you had to be as close to him as he wanted you to be and that Amy Ryan if she had tried to maintain some sort of distance between herself and, and Mayor Menino, that that probably would have not ended well for her either. Am I wrong about that? Well, I don't really have a clear sense of how close she was to the Menino administration, except for this. Um, back in 2007, I believe, eight or so years ago, then Mayor Tom Menino made a move against the guy who was then head of the library, Bernie Margolis. Um, and there was a sort of a playing out of a, of a mini drama in the headlines, not quite as dramatic as this. And in the end, Margolis was gone. Um, Menino, to his credit, at the time, I mean, I wrote a column sort of wondering, was it going to be an inside player that he put in the job or was he going to do a nationwide search? He did a nationwide search and he got someone with a lot of library credentials who, um, you know, came in and was his person. He, I think, made new appointments to the board. So it was his board and his library director, and such is the way of politics and 
every agency, commission, authority in Massachusetts, including the Boston Public Library. So to that extent, yes, she was his person, but by all accounts, she did a wonderful job on several fronts, reviving and putting this library, you know, uh, positioning it for the future. Before we, oh, sorry to interrupt you, Peter. Just before we go on to Peter's take on that question, um, just really quickly, what are the areas where Amy Ryan's tenure is going to be deemed a success, Joan? Well, I mean, people said that she just, um, just um, focused on the main library, sort of brought it back to its glory, there's major renovations going on. At the same time, she did not forget about the branch libraries. Um, she did a lot to bring the library into the digital future. Um, I think those are basically seen as our hallmarks. And she, she just uh, invested uh, time and energy and made it re reminded people that it is a jewel of Boston. Um, uh, yeah, I would say when you say the Central Library, I would say that's true of the Johnson Building, not the McKim Building. Um, see, I would go back to that the early in her administration when the mayor wanted to close a number of city branches. Um, far too many in my mind. At some point this mayor may, might have to consider closing branches. Amy bought it hook, line, and sinker. I remember having lunch with her and her telling me how per capita we had too many libraries per person. And when I said to her, do we have too many parks per person per capita, she didn't have an answer. No librarian, no head of the Boston Public Library worth the assault would have embraced that mass closure the way she did, even if it meant making an enemy of the mayor. Now, the mayor, this was one of his biggest mistakes in his career. And we're talking I, Tom Menino again. Tom Menino. I remember saying to, to Menino in the green room um, uh, at Fox TV, you know, one week morning, I said, Mr. Mayor, I think you've bitten off more than you can chew with these branch libraries. He goes, nah, 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 you know, people like the libraries. My wife goes to the library, but, you know, no, no one's going to go to battle over the libraries. He was wrong, and he, it's one of the few times he had to back off. That was a, you know, Amy had an institutional responsibility to draw a line in the sand. She didn't do it. I think that's a tough line for people to draw in in whatever they ha whatever institution they head. You have to balance between what you think is right in principle and what the person who's your boss wants you to deliver on. And I think she tried to balance it, and I, I, it's I, just a tough it's a tough road. See, Joan. First of all, I hate it when people are reasonable. That that's hard to argue <laughs> with. Compromise. No, no, but it raises an interesting point, and I'm not speaking to that narrow situation. We have something akin to, I, I'm blowing this out of proportion a bit, a constitutional crisis in the making here. When the library was established in 1848 by the legislature and in subsequent legislation that was since been ratified over the years, the mayor appoints the board and the board chooses the librarian and it's set up in a way, in theory, and I realize this is just a theory, to keep the library out of politics and to have a sort of separation of powers. Now, every mayor tries to, has tried to play politics with the library. No one succeeded to the degree to which Tom Menino did. And we're sort of seeing that play out now because in City Hall, the, li the library, which was supposed to be outside of the chain of command, is viewed as very much, you know, almost like another city agency. Now, the mayor hasn't really played his hand yet, and I think that 
uh, Maya Walsh at the moment is in a pretty good position to do the right thing. Whether he does or not remains to be seen. I hate when you get all institutional memory on me, because um, I, I don't go back to 1848. Um, and I mean, I do think you raise an interesting point. Each mayor has, in their own way, tried to shape what happened here. Is there a way to insulate the Board of Trustees more from the will of a mayor? I don't know structurally how you would do it. Um, but it seems like if ever there were an institution that shouldn't exist or a director that shouldn't exist merely at the will of a mayor, that this is one. On the other hand, I mean, given the way it's played out, if a mayor thinks that there are management issues or wants to take it in a different direction, has a different vision, um, it's that person's prerogative. So I don't think Walsh has overstepped his bounds, but I agree with you. He has, uh, he's at a point right now where he can do the right thing yeah. Uh, as we'll have to see how he defines that. No, I, I would agree with you, Joan. I, I don't think he's overstepped his bounds. Um, I think, unfortunately, that the Board of Trustees here, which was so responsive, perhaps subliminally, to Mayor Menino, just sort of doesn't get, as you said, that there was a new sheriff in town. But aside from the politics, the, the, the issue really is, is that the McKim building. And that's the beautiful old historical right. building, right? The, 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 the McKim building and its special collections have suffered, you know, for years b before Menino became mayor from benign neglect. Once Menino became mayor, they, they suffered from active neglect. Um, now, Amy Ryan and the trustees have done, you know, put a program in place to, to try to rectify that. And that happened before the pictures were missing. Um, and and th that's a good thing, but I would say it was, you know, too little, too late. Um, who knew these pictures would disappear? The pictures are really, the, the missing pictures were really just a metaphor for the disarray of the central building in its central collections, not the branch libraries and not the Johnson building. As Joan said, they've done, listen, I was skeptical about what the renovation of the Johnson building would look like. I've walked through it several times. The teen room is full of kids, some doing homework, some playing chess, some chatting with friends. You know, there are worse things in life than hanging out in the library. The kids room is as it's always been, the children's room full. You know, this renovation is by any measure of the Johnson building a big success and it's Amy's success. I think the in, we're at an interesting intersection right now, turning point, whatever the cliche is. Um, what's the future of the BPL and who is going to take ownership of it? It's almost a bit about the divide between, you know, I hate another cliche, new Boston and old Boston. To old Boston, this was just a, you know, a jewel, a sanctuary. It, the height to be a, um, part of the Board of Trustees was a very elite status. Um, and it's like old line Boston that feels that way about it. Is new Boston, are the younger people going to come out and support it? Where is the fundraising going to be? What's, what's the constituency for the future here? And I think that's a challenge for Mayor Walsh right now to identify people from old establishment Boston and the young new Boston to sort of come together and say, this place matters. How do we make it go forward and get past this drama and politics and, and make it something that uh, Boston's always been really proud of? 
Yeah, I mean, one of the big problems facing the library system in general and the McKim, the, 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 the old building and its special collections is lack of money. In the Phoenix, I, I published a, a bar graph that showed the, 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 the size of the various endowments. You had the teeny-weeny Boston Wait, Public did you Library. Just, did you just say the Phoenix instead of WGBH? I meant WGBH. Totally distinct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, this aged brain just uh, suffered brain meltdown. Um, oh, I thought you meant you did it in the Phoenix. No, no, Adam, Adam caught me here. A, a, a small endowment for the Boston Public Library versus a billion dollars for the New York City Public Library, sort of a quarter of a million for the MFA, a little less for the BSO. The, the trustees, um, who are well-intentioned people, you know, really should be, have been focused for 20 years on raising money, and they haven't. I want to ask you both about uh, Mayor Walsh a little bit more, but first, I'd be remiss if I didn't get you to talk about um, past mayors who have in some way, shape, or form played politics with the library. Peter, I know you've got sort of a trove of great anecdotes. Joan, even though you don't go back to 1848 <laughs> like Peter, all right, let's start with your one. Well, I mean, my one, I think I mentioned earlier, involves Menino going up against Bernie Margolis, yeah. who was then the head of the BPL, and that was seven or eight years ago. And I mean, it, it did play out, we, we, how quickly we forget, but Margolis did not go gently into that night. He felt that he had done a good job and wanted to stay, and he tried to get public opinion on his side, and in the end, he left. Refresh me, uh, or, or, or refresh my memory, wasn't Mayor Menino's gripe with Bernie Margolis at the time that he was too focused on the Central Library and not attentive enough to the branches, or am I remembering that wrong? Either that or the other way around. It was you, it was a struggle between branch and central, and that seems to be a recurrent theme. But I really don't. I'll be honest. I don't remember which side he was on. I'm glad I'm not the only one. First of all, Bernie Margolis, the, the trust, the board of trustees that brought Margolis in included Bill Taylor, the former publisher of the Boston Globe, Old he, Boston, Old Boston, <laughs> Bill Bulger, former state president, former UMass president, Old Boston. Um, they and their trustees hired Margolis, so. You know, it wasn't the Menino administration that, that hired him. Poor Bernie took office the very first day there was um, a controversy over porn being accessed in, on library videos. Bernie Margolis, the mayor wanted all this stuff screened out. Bernie Margolis citing the nat <laughs> and the, the national the policy side. of something like the National Association of Librarians, I don't have the name right, said, no, we can't do that, but we will, you know, make some, some available that don't have this ability. Immediately, he was behind the eight ball with Benino. Truth be told, inside the library, uh, Bernie, uh, uh, got black marks from some people who thought he was shifting too many people to the branches. The branches didn't think he was shifting enough people. Okay. So Bernie, who did not have a good handle on Boston politics either, you, you know, was sort of damned from many different directions. He's got a huge librarian job in Albany now, so he does know what he's doing. All right, Peter, you also have a great tale, if memory serves, about former Mayor Ray Flynn. Well, yeah. Back in the during the Flynn days, I forget what the event was, but there was a um, 
swish is too strong a word, but there was a, a very Tony library type event. And um, former Mayor Ray Flynn, who many people, people of a certain age like me, remember he was a vigorous jogger, you know, like jogged over to it and came in sweaty and in the sweats and all this. And I'm not sure who the librarian was who asked him to leave, but uh, said, Maybe you know, the same hey, one that asked us to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a tradition there, you know, really suggested, Mr. Mayor, this isn't the the best thing to do. So the mayor of Boston was asked to, to uh, go home and change into something more appropriate, or at least to leave, given his duds? Okay. Something like that. Now, what about, I I think you might have had one that went back even further, and I'm blind, the, the libra library director, I think, was named Curly, right? This, it was Curly who asked him. Oh, it was Curly who asked him? Yes, okay. yes, yes, okay. yes. All right. Yeah. Um, let me close by, and by the way, what was Curly's first name? I'm, if you hadn't asked me, I would be able you know, to that's say. Right. By the way, you raised the name Curly. People now who've passed on um, with a much longer memory than I did, I've asked all timers over the years, how did the PPL fare under Curly? James Michael James Curly. Michael Curly. And interestingly enough, there was sort of a minimal level of interference from City Hall. Not that there was none, you know, jobs for janitors and this or that, but there was a sort of old fashioned sense that for the big, for professional librarians, like school teachers and nurses and things like that, that, you know, there was an outside accreditation process that went on. So James Michael Curley, like a lot of working class guys, sort of had the library you know, held the library in real esteem, as did Bill Bulger, who was a terrific trustee. So my final question for both of you is, what, if anything, the way this episode played out tells us about how power works in Marty Walsh's Boston? And I want to give you both five seconds to ponder it and then put you on the spot. Joan, I, I want to start with you. And the, the answer may be, it doesn't tell us anything. Um, but I'd love to get your take on that. I think that we haven't read the final chapter on this, to go with a book analogy. I mean, the chairman of the board, Jeff Rudman, has resigned. What about the rest of the board of trustees? Are we going to see a whole new board? We're going to see a new library director. Is it going to be a nationwide search? The same question that was asked the last time around. Is it going to be somebody with local ties? I mean, so we haven't really seen how this plays out. But I think what it does show is um, Mayor Walsh, uh, got a reaction he didn't like. Um, when he sent his chief of staff down to address the board of directors, they were highly offended that somebody who was only 30 would be there to deliver a message from the mayor, which is ridiculous. Would it have been better, would they have felt better about it if it was from someone who was 60? I mean, I don't understand what age has to do with it, but they were highly offended. Walsh um, expressed his unhappiness. Rudman's gone, Amy Ryan is gone what's next and then then we will know more about how mayor walsh exercises power and you have said by the way in a column that mayor walsh now owns the bpl the same way that charlie baker governor charlie baker owns the mbta he does um and again i mean it'll be interesting to see what direction he takes it and i don't know the answer to that question all right peter kadzis what's your take you, you know like joan i don't know this is a work in progress I, I think how it resolves itself um will tell us more about the mayor um some unsolicited advice i, I don't know how the, the the political winds blow in this current 
Library Board of Trustees. But there are two people that I think would be open to an approach from the mayor. One is Representative Byron Rushing, who's a public man, and I have no idea whether he's a, you know on friendly terms with the mayor. I know he's not on negative terms with the mayor. Former colleague of the mayor's. Yep. He's on the board. Isn't he? He's on the board, yeah. I would approach him. And Paul LaCamera, you know, who's a board member, you know, who's a guy who's been around Boston for a long time. He might be worth an approach. Um, you know, a quiet approach to say, how do we move beyond this? And, you know, uh, how do we keep the library's best interests at heart? How do we depoliticize this? All right, Peter Kadzis, Joan Vanaki, thank you both for joining me today, for, uh, for getting the boot along with me from the beautiful library courtyard. Let's come back sometime and grab a cup of coffee and just um, shoot the breeze. Since you bought today, if you buy the next time, that would be great. Right, it's on me. Thank you for listening. Just a reminder, The Scrum is a production of WGBH News. I'm Adam Riley. Our producer is Amanda McGowan. We'll talk to you again soon.